so I was going to, uh, I left my house around like, uh, I want to say like nine o'clock. Yeah, it was pretty late, nine o'clock last night, to go to the bar because it's Cinco de Mayo, right, Julio? And we're Mexican, so we Mexicans drink on Cinco de Mayo. Yeah. Um, you know, drink some tequila, whatnot. And when I left, we were up by one. It was looking very promising. I think it was like the eighth inning. Um, and then I I get to to the bar and like I'm like half through my beer in and I get a notification that we lost by like nine to six. And I was like, what the fuck happened? Like. Chris Bassett was pitching so well. Like what and then I saw and Lou Trevino gives up five runs. I'm just like, oh my God, dude. I was just like I was just praising you on last week's episode and you dogged me like this. This is like a regular occurrence with his career. And he fucked over your fantasy team. No, I dropped him. Oh, you did oh, so you just gave up on the ace closers in general, because that's yeah, why you're I'm, not digging anymore either. I was just tired of like every other day, um, dropping one and picking up the other so i dropped him last thursday so i haven't had to deal with any of this bullshit um because i told you i have ian kennedy who's been playing who's been playing really well um for uh for texas so i'm actually pretty good at that spot even though hendrix is like having some issues he yeah he's having a lot of issues apparently he's having a base run now yeah we're gonna talk about that in a minute but uh, i don't know if you see my team dilemma I've got six guys. You have so many guys who are hurt. <laughs> okay, so for the listeners also, welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Tailgate. No, Town Tailgate, what's up, everybody? But um, more formal intro in a minute. I've got Jazz Chisholm, Anthony Rendon, uh, Steven Strasburg, Corbin Burns, it's Luis Cesardo, and potentially Byron Buxton. We'll see what happens. There was but someone, like, was and my someone... team's hella good. Just everybody's fucking hurt. So George Springer got hurt yesterday, and I was about to text you. I was like, "Please don't tell me you have George Springer too." No, I wouldn't. Oh, God, that would be so funny. Uh, right. Welcome to the Town Tailgate, everybody. Um, we thought it'd be funny to open up the show with my uh, de- depressing Cinco de Mayo story. Um, today's episode, we are going to talk about um, some big news of a future Hall of Famer retiring. Uh, Tony Larusa doesn't remember what the rules of baseball are. Um, some more, a big name lands to the, to the uh, injured list for the A's um, after playing video games. We'll get into that. Sounds weird, but it's a thing. Um, the minor league started up this week, and uh, we will talk second half of the of the uh, podcast about um, kind of do a, a review of the first month of the league, specifically the A's, um, and how it's all working. And. Yeah, but- t- are you yeah. gonna are you gonna uh are you about to plug our our twitter page and everything and, and tell everybody to follow us yeah that's right you already knew yeah i got the, i got this down now see now we know the, what the All order right. of the opening of the show is and now i remember but i just thought it'd be funny to call it out before you did so go ahead yeah so make sure if you haven't already to please follow us on twitter at the town tailgate um a lot of fun times going on on there always talking about the, the games and random stuff's happening around baseball also, if you're not following us on any of our podcast networks, which include Apple, Spotify, Google, YouTube, make sure to give us a follow and like and rate us because, like Chris has said multiple times, we want to get paid to do this. And if you if this is Blue Wire or SB Nation listening to our podcast for the first time ever and because and you're considering picking us up, normally we have a lot better, we're more professional, have a better opening and cadence, but this week I, we decided to fuck around. <laughs> Please, uh, SB Nation, I love your YouTube channel. This is my 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 plea. 
Uh, love watching Rewind and Beef History. Beef History is a classic. Do you watch Beef History? No. So do you know what the premise of Beef History? We'll get into this shit in a second, but do you know the premise of it? sounds familiar. So pretty much, it's just, it's the history of beef between two people in sports. That so is a fantastic idea for a website. It's awesome. It is so fun. I'm the one they're doing this Sunday. I'm, I'm so stoked. And I'm going to send it to all in, the, in our baseball chat once it comes mm-hmm. out. Uh, uh, Barry Bonds, Jeff Ken. I know that a lot of people didn't like Jeff Kent in the clubhouse, but I didn't know that those two specifically had a beef. Yeah, they tweeted out the, the preview of it, and they're like, they literally gone to fight in the dugout. <laughs> like, do, you, that was a, do you think that there, there will be one on uh, on Josh Donaldson and Manny Machado one day? Ooh, maybe. They get, yeah. dude, there's some pretty crazy-ass ones I even knew about. Like, there's some pretty intense, like, they just did one with, like, two hockey teams in general things like the Bruins and somebody else. Um, but yeah, like if you just are, if you're just chilling on a Saturday morning, you're not, you're just kind of lounging around. I recommend just like start going through them. And the one I learned about recently too, sorry, tangent, uh, Joel Embiid and Marcus smart. I didn't realize how hard they've beefed over the years hmm. because of like when either. Joel Embiid was at Kansas and then Marcus smart was at, um, Oh shit! I can't remember what school he went to. But was I guess he at Louisville. Was he at Louisville? It does. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Anyway, yeah. go ahead, lead us in, and I'll look this oh, up. Oh, oh, Oklahoma State University is where Marcus Smart went to college. Yes. Um, also, I didn't realize he was twenty-seven. I thought he was like in his early thirties. But let's let's get the show started. for the listeners. I'm a big college basketball fan. That's why I know random shit like that. Anyway, yeah, let's get to the show. Oh, and yeah, just a little note on YouTube. Yeah, if you want to see our faces. You can watch our episodes on YouTube, so go go do that. If you don't want to see our faces, you just want to hear us, then all the other platforms that he stated are good. All right, biggest news out of baseball, probably biggest news of this entire episode, Albert Pujols was released by the Angels. The Angels are paying that guy $230 million. He signed a 10-year contract? I want to say 10-year contract, which feels like it was like 10 years ago, but it wasn't. It was back in 2012. 2000. Uh, it's winter of 2011. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he only has like one more year on his deal. I mean, he's been – look, the guy's a future Hall of Famer, but he has been a huge disappointment um, since he came there. I mean, he's he hit a lot of home runs the first like, I don't know, three, four seasons that he was there. But after that, I mean, it's just – it's just dancing around mediocrity. And it's just – it's it's pretty wild, the insane drop-off. I don't I – don't, I can't – wrap my head around why um because his last season in st louis he was a stud if you look up his numbers like hitting like 315 like 45 home runs and like 120 rbis something around that um but yeah so on top of that there's a lot of rumors about where he could sign soon uh julio's gonna get deeper into that but this is just this is a pretty interesting story i I don't know how effective he'll be the next place he goes but people are going to be following where he ends up it's um yeah I, i'll kind of be push against what your argument was is a complete waste of time he did only make one all-star game in those 10 years of the angels which is you know for somebody signing this contract that isn't good and they only made one pay- playoff appearance throughout that the whole time and that is not good either but you can also say you know the milestones he did pull off he's gonna be 
He had 600 home runs. Hopefully, he could still play a little bit longer and could get 700. He's got 2,000 hits. He's got 2,000 RBIs. So, like, statistically, he did everything as a the big stuff as an angel, which is pretty dope. And plus, like, um, he he's one of the guys that's like, oh, yeah, he does stuff for the community. He's, like, legitimately one of the guys who does, like, a ton of stuff for the community. He does yeah. a lot for, you know, underrepresented communities. He does a lot for the disabled community as well. So, like... Um, and I think the biggest thing, too, is he's probably done a lot of mentorship for that clubhouse, especially, you know, freaking Mike Trout probably learned a little bit of everything that he's learned. Could probably learned a little bit from having Albert with him. But yeah, that being said, you've made one playoff appearance in 10 years and one All-Star game, and you had this fat deal. So, uh, yeah, he man. Also, he also probably benefited, Mike Trout probably benefited from having Albert Pujols at the beginning of his career at the four hole. So, like, you're pitching, you're pitching at um, Trout. And then you're pitching around him. You know what I mean? Just like a yeah. weird. And, anyway. and it's just it's just sad. Like his body started falling apart on him, man. Yeah. And now, and um, John, you're going to give a quick shout out to our boys at Super Halo Bros. Um, John Fierce. He kind of was, he put, you know, lifelong Angels fan. And I can only imagine how they reacted. I remember actually when they signed Pujols and I think like that, it was like in no, December or something. And I remember the beginning of January, I was, I was living in San Francisco, driving down to Disneyland, and along the freeway, I saw the big Angels billboard with pools, and it says, like, the, the machine, like, welcome home, the machine. And I remember just being like, fuck, we got to face this guy for the next 10 years. The yeah. Rangers, then they're like, the Rangers just went to back-to-back World Series. I'm like, god damn. And the A's just traded away Geo. They traded... Uh, uh, like Dallas Braden had to retire or was like close to retirement at that point. I'm like, man, what are they going to do? And then they won back-to-back divisions, went to the playoffs three years in a row, and they went to another three years in a row. So I guess we won between I, those three teams. The So I forgot who it was. I'm trying to look it up right now, but you know, we you posted on our Twitter account something about it. And I think it, it was like something like it, like – Angry Raider fan was a Twitter account or something like that. And he posted about they made one playoff appearance, which was in 2014, which you could make a lot of arguments, especially as an ace fan, that they definitely didn't deserve to even be in that playoffs. The only reason why they benefited and made it in one division and made it to the playoffs that year was because the ace traded Yohannes Cespedes at the deadline and the offense just completely went to shit because the cleanup hitter was gone. So had they not make that trade, the ace probably win 100 plus games that season and dominate the American League and the Angels who knows who knows if they make the wild card or not you know so like that's not and then that's they got and impressive. then they got swept they got swept in the division series against the Royals so yeah. like yeah so i you know it it is what it is he, i mean he batted around i mean he kind of danced around he averaged probably around like 240 with with the Angels his first season he hit 285 his third season he hit 271 but after that it's like 240 241 245 244 224 like yeah and he only hit 40 home runs once 2015 which was his all-star season like you said um I don't know I mean let's I mean we should probably move on and talk about where he potentially could go so there was a uh, montage of just all the double plays, like a bunch of double plays hit into it's pretty funny. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll go ahead and pick up where you're gonna say. It sounds like this is a Peter Mutual thing. Um, 
which I think one, I think this, even though this was mutual, I think this is hella dirty that they at least didn't give Angel fans. It's we're recording on Thursday night on the sixth, um, and the Angels had a game tonight, mm-hmm. and the news came out in early afternoon. It's really dirty. They at least didn't give the fans one more chance to appreciate them. That's fucked up. How do Angels fans feel about that? Did you ask John about that? Like, does he care? Um, So, yeah. So, the biggest thing, I think everybody is like, as a fan perspective, you know, as of him, you know, they hate to see it happen. Obviously, the guy has been an anchor, more or less, for this team over the last 10 years, even though they weren't that successful. And all the things I've already said, they really love him. But at the same time, um, Jared Walsh looks legit. Jared Walsh looks like he's going to be the first baseman of the future for the Angels. Um, and then Otani is going to be the full-time DH. When he's not pitching, he's going to be the DH, and we've seen how electric he's been this season. So at this point... There's talk. Um, Joe Madden's talking about even letting him hit when he pitches. Yeah, and they've, I think they've, they've done it uh, a few times this series, this season where they forfeited the DH and they just yeah. haven't hit in the two-hole. Um, so yeah, they, it, it, it's at this point... the system is finally coming along and there was nowhere else on the roster for him and and i think the big the big breaking point was during wednesday night's game they were playing the rays and ryan yarborough was pitching and historically pools has like dominated yarborough i guess and they didn't and they didn't play him against yarborough and he took, he was got offensive, really offended by that, hit a breaking point, and that's when this all went down. So this sounds like it's something that's been pretty mutual. Um, from what it sounds like, too, he still wants to play. So, Chris, let's get spicy. Where do you think he's going to go? Give me your, give me three options off the top of your head. That makes sense. You know, without the, with the National League not taking in the, um, the uh, fucking DH this year, it kind of like, slims it down a little bit to be honest with you um i don't know man so i was thinking about this earlier today i don't i, I off the top of my head i can't think of any contenders that really need a dh right now um i like maybe the royals but the royals have jorge soler i don't yeah i don't know dude i don't i don't know if there's room for him on any of these like contending rosters like there's just better options all around. Maybe the Astros. No, no, probably not the Astros because what's his face? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, they got Alvarez. Yeah. I don't and know then Gurriel plays first. All I right. I don't know. Well, you've ruined this segment. Let's go ahead and move on. Thanks a lot, Chris. Really appreciate it. Well, all right, I, here's I, my dude, t- I, I can't. I'm sorry. Like, I can't think of. I I, I can think of who each team, who could, each contending team's DH, and that person is better than Pujols. So the Pujols. Like, you know, like. I maybe us, but Mitch Moreland's been turning no. it around lately. Okay, let's let's lead off with this. Uh, Jim Bowden, who uh, he's a, I, I didn't see where he is where he is a writer for, but he tweeted out. He's got a check mark. He's yeah, he's else. verified says he was legit uh, because you know, that's all it takes now. No, if it, no, I wasn't fucking this guy. I'm sure he's great, but um, he said uh, one destination. He's like, here's four potential spots I think you can land. And number one is Oakland. That would be really cool for the sake of. We've brought in Frank Thomas. We've brought in Mike Piazza. We've brought in Nomar. You know, Jason Giambi did his farewell tour here. Pretty much like, screw it. Why not? David Justice. That's a, It's a part of our MO, but it doesn't make sense right now. There's no Ollie's at first. When he's not, when it's not Ollie, it's Mitch Moreland. 
Mitch Moreland's DH when it's not when it's him not DHing, it's Jed or it's anybody else. There's just uh, there's no room right now. Yeah, or it's Piscotti. You know, we'll give yeah. him the outfielders. Yeah, I, I would rather have any of those options than Pujols. Yeah, but so where I think he's going to go, um, I think Chicago's a legit option. I think reuniting with Tony Larusa for his last season or last couple years. I know Yerman Mercedes is the full time DH, but um, as somebody who owns the Yermanator for fantasy. Uh, La Russa doesn't even play him when they're in the national playing against National League teams because yeah, but he doesn't trust doesn't, his defense. But Larusa doesn't even know what the rules of baseball are, so we can't say that that's necessarily a educated move. You know? No, I hear, yeah, you. I hear you. I just had, yeah. I had to throw that joke in there. Mercedes <laughs> is hitting three eighty six. Yeah, but look how many at bats he's had. He's I losing at bats. It's yeah, it's yeah. ridiculous. But um, I think the Dodgers could be a viable option. They've been floundering hard, and a big part of the reason they're floundering is the depth. Dude, look how bad they've been since they started off twelve and four or twelve and two. They're but not at right first now. base, though. But not at first base. No, but that here's the the problem is with. I them, guess you can move Muncie to second. Move, yeah, the same. But one Muncie can kind of play a little bit all over the infield, yeah. or at least to the right side of the infield for sure. But the problem is the guys who were their consistent. Bench dudes like Kike and Jock aren't there anymore. McKinstry's hurt. Um, Edwin Rios is not good right now. Um, but then the, my other option, which it probably wouldn't happen either, but we all are rooting for it, is he goes back to St. Louis. Um, he'll be a part-time player whenever Goldie needs a day off. And Goldie's a lock at first. He can't really play anywhere else. Uh, those are the ones that would make the most sense. I hope he doesn't retire, though. I really hope. This isn't how he goes out because he deserves way better than this. Yeah, I mean, I think the Dodgers actually. Now that you you talk about it, it actually does make a lot of sense. I mean, at least just like he could give he could give guys a day off every once in a while. Give Muncie a day off, who does they ask a lot from him. Um, and you can play, and Muncie can play second base. He did for a good portion of his first couple years um, at the Dodgers. Um, yeah, I mean, you can make it work. I mean, Gavin Lux is not playing very well. Um, yeah, I mean, and you're right. Their infield depth is not good, which is why they went out and, like, even Sheldon Noisy's not playing that, that well either. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I mean, t- sitting 240, that's not very good. Um, yeah, that's actually a good idea. He's probably going to go to the Dodgers. And also, it's the same city. It's just an easier transition for him. He doesn't have to move or anything like that. Just go up. He could probably com- – no. He could commute, but Michael that's Thompson, not fun. the 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 commentator for the Lakers, lives out in Orange County. He commutes every single day to work. Clay's dad. It's not that people bad. don't know. Yeah, it, I mean, people do it. It's a thing. Kobe I mean, Kobe. It. Yeah, Kobe used to take a helicopter. Yeah, uh, yeah. to the games and all that. All right. Um. Yeah, we should move on. There's not really much more to do there. <laughs> it, we knew this was going to take long, and honestly, this thing I was talking forward, looking forward to talking about the most was Pujols because, like, yeah. Come on, man. MVP Baseball 2004. Dude. The cover star. But here's the thing. Especially if you were, like, money conscious when you played MVP Baseball 2004, you could get Derek Lee for, like, a third of the price as our Derek Bulls. Lee was so bomb. Yeah. So he And he had the same stats and was just as good in, like, the same, um, like, ranking. He was, like, a 95 or something like that at first base. Like, anyway. Nostalgia. Let's move on. Yeah. Um, another no-hitter. Um. Uh, John why not? Means, you go ahead. Go ahead. 
Yeah, John Means threw a complete game no-hitter against mm-hmm. the Seattle Mariners. A real this no-hitter. Is, a real no-hitter. Um, and the reason he lost the no-hitter, or the perfect game, was um, it was the catcher dropped, or what I think it was a pass ball, strike three. The catcher dropped the ball, and the runner reached first, and that's how he lost the perfect game, which is really stupid. This is now the third. We're in beginning of May. We're only a month month into the season. This is already the third no-hitter we've seen. I told you this was going to be like 2018 where we have like a shit ton of no-hitters in the first couple months. Yep. And then, you know, you can say what you want about the Mad Bum seven-inning no-hitter. I know Chris is anti-no-hitter, but if for the people who are counting it, then technically we can count four as well, whatever you want to do. But what what the hell's going on? What's going so, on, man? I just want to say, first off, this is the first no-hitter in uh, for the Orioles since 1967, I think it was. Complete um, game no-hitter, yeah. Yeah. Um, that's Earl Weaver was the manager. That's how old that was. Um, so that's pretty cool. Two, this explains why he whooped our ass the two times he played against us this past month. Um, this guy's a real pitcher, and he proved it. Three tremendous, tremendous starts in a row. Um, four or three, um, yeah. I it's it it's I I don't know because like you can't argue that this is juice taken out of the balls because this is pitching. It's not like I I, I it's not like how do I explain this? It's not like like I mean maybe it is a little bit. Maybe fly balls just aren't flying as far as so they're becoming outs in the outfield, but like. I, I don't I don't know if I won't necessarily am, am ready to associate this with with taking juice out of the balls. Is that kind of something that you're thinking about? Because yeah, yeah, that's a big conversation. Like starting point is because the change of the balls and how it's benefiting pitchers. But at the same time, you know, we're still seeing balls hit as hard as they have been in the last few years when the balls were a little more juiced. Um, but one, I think we do have to give credit where credit due. He really destroyed the A's. His mm-hmm. two starts he had against them. Uh, he And this guy, he it's not like he came out of nowhere. He was an all-star in 2019 as a rookie. Yeah. Second and, and rookie of the year votings. I believe he was 2019 rookie of the year. I'm not looking at who that was. Um, Baltimore actually is not a... Oh, I'll, you don't know it's a hitter's park. Yeah. And he's doing this in hitter's park. He has a, a 1.37 year on the season. I don't know what the hell's going on. I think... I want. I, I'm kind of interested. I don't know if we talked about this or this was going to be a talking point um, on last week or uh, pod or one a couple weeks ago, which was uh, there was a minor league or an independent league somewhere that they were actually moving the mound back like a foot. It was half. It was half. Wasn't it six inches or something like that? Yeah, because yeah, some or half. Yeah, yeah. And so that that's what I was going to say. Or sorry, keep going. Yeah, but, like, think about it. Uh, I don't think we've ever seen people throw this consistently hard, like, ever. Mm-hmm. Every team probably has somebody who's going to go out there throwing 100. And think about baseball when we were growing up, and you know, when we were growing up during the steroid area and all that. People are throwing harder than ever. And it's starting to show strikeout rates are still climbing. Um, and you see even somebody, I think of like Bruce Dark Gatterall, the Dodgers reliever, his delivery is so nonchalant. He looks like he's just, 
he, he reminds me of like the old school, like Walter Johnson wind up things, you know, mm-hmm. they used to do that in the early 1900s and he's throwing a hundred, like nothing. Mm-hmm. And it like, it, I don't think it really affects the competitiveness of the game, but there's going to be a point where it's like, what's going to happen when you go against a rotation where two, three guys are throwing a hundred and then they got three guys in their bullpen who's throwing a hundred. Mm-hmm. So that, that's, that's where I was going to go. Um, it's just the the pitchers are better. Everybody is throwing gas. Um, the increase in velocity around the league is is insane. It's up like so. The average um, uh, fastball velocity for pitchers in the league is ninety five miles per hour. It was, was ninety five, ninety four. Which like three years ago it was around ninety to ninety one. Like it's it's just like dramatically improved and the mechanics have improved with with you know modern day pitching style and 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 stuff like that and actually um Pablo Torre and Jeff Passan did a really good ESPN daily 2 weeks ago about this and he was talking about it um and just hitters are just going to have to be more crafty it's really simple as that they're just going to have to and a lot with a lot of these pitchers especially like um these bullpen guys they pretty much only throw fastballs that's the thing so it's going to be figured out eventually and you know, hitters are going to be a lot more prepared with it. It's the same thing as like the launch angle. Like the launch angle was a big thing. People were just hitting home runs like crazy. And, and people were saying like, Oh, how are pit- it's, like the league is always, it's going to be a hitters league. Now, how are pitchers are ever going to uh, match up? Like we're never going to see like, like guys like Verlander or, or, uh, or Scherzer who have these long, like successful careers because hitters are just better. And then pitchers adjusted to it, and like they, I think this is probably the adjustment to the launch angle. It's just throwing more gas, um, and forcing hitters to be quicker on their swings. I, that's that's the only thing I can think of. That's literally the only thing. It's just kind of that, like, it's just sports evolution. It happens in every sport. Think about what um, you know. We've had running quarterbacks for ever. I would just, just think to about say that the 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 RPO, yeah, 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 and now just and then look at you know Lamar Jackson two years ago wins MVP and he completely lights it up and now you know his his sophomore season say what you want about it or his sophomore post MVP season but it's like people and what did but what did teams start doing they started adjusting they started learning on defense because that's how things go like you have to adapt the following year you're going to be screwed especially you know the NFC AFC North where it's just a juggernaut up there i think I, about i remember michael guys. smith doing a piece on sports center about the um about the uh option read and how unstoppable it is like and how colin kaepernick is so successful doing it and how he said it was going to be here to stay how there's like mathematically and there's no like way to defend it really well and then two years later like colin kaepernick i mean he's out of the league for other reasons but you know he it wasn't as successful in the league after that and and you know just basically defenses just started blitzing from the outside more that's kind of a big way they they defended it and it's just like it just you know we we always see this we always see this thing that that this new strategy that pops up and it's really cool for two years and everybody thinks it's gonna like change the league and then you know people just adjust i think the only sport that has still allowed those players a benefit as part of the NBA. With when you think shooting? about, yeah, with the three point shooting, you think yeah. about how, uh, you think about how like they've had to implement the role in the last five, six years where you can't put your foot in mm-hmm. when the shooter's landing spot, because how many times we've seen Steph almost break his ankle or, you know, something like Trey Young almost bust his ankle or something like that. Yeah. That's the only sport where I can be like, you know, that's a dirty way to do it. 
My boy Zaza right here is the reason why that's the thing. Yeah, my boy Zaza right there. Yeah, yeah. Um, Love that guy. But but yeah, yeah. I mean, I three point shooting is a little bit different. I don't really know how you stop that. Oh anyway, yeah, that, yeah. That's it doesn't stupid. matter. But yeah, uh, yeah over. They'll they'll adjust. You're my gambling friend. Over under. Uh, four no hitters rest of the season. Over under. Oh, over. I would take the over on that. Okay. Yeah, I would probably take the over. Oh, right. We're only I'm a gonna, month gonna... in the season. We have five more months left. Yeah, but something tells something tells me just like football is you're going to make more adjustments. Yeah, but not you're during gonna... the season. You don't have the time during the season. Front offices have all the time in the world in the offseason. That's usually where they, they do that. They look tape and they look at analytics and shit like that. Um, uh, Julio's writing down that I took the over in our notes right now so he can uh, hold it against me if – there's just like curious I, I like to i like to write down some more predictions but let's um, keep going yeah any or unless we got anything else i'm done with this no, congrats john look, means yeah that that it was awesome it didn't surprise me i was like that's the dude that fucking killed us the past week okay got it um anyway we i keep hitting it at, hinting at it this um so far this episode um last big piece of uh national news tony larusso Oh my God! He keeps appearing on this podcast um, as just um, uh, what's the theme of this podcast, Julio? Uh, fuck boomers, basically. Um, you said just, it, not me. He's just old, and he just doesn't know what's going on. So, for those of you who are new to the game of baseball this season, there is a new rule for extra innings where basically to try and speed up the game to get runs scored a little bit easier so that we're not going into, A's fans know, many classic 18-inning games. Um, Literally, Bart has to announce that this is the last train of the night um, on those classic 18-inning games. Um, uh, Sorry, blanked out there um in uh starting in the in the 10th inning um every inning there is going to be a, there will be a runner on second base again to like try and like speed up the game get some runs scored on the board um that person that runner who is on second base is the last batter right the last batter um of the previous inning before that so let's say Chapman Olsen and Canna hit um in the top of the ninth um and it's a one, two, three. Canna was the last out. He grounds out. He would be the runner on second base. In the National League, if that batting, if that um, batting spot is a pitcher, let's say you pinch hit, um, and then you sub in a pitcher. And it, so for this example, that spot was a pitcher. It was the five hole hitter, um, and it was Liam Hendricks. Um, in the National League, you are allowed to um, put the. Uh, batter who was above that hitter if it's a pitcher um on second base instead of the pitcher on second base because pitchers don't really you know they don't know base running very well so there's like a loophole so Liam Hendricks was at that spot but the spot before it was Jose Abreu so so uh Tony Larusa could have put Jose Abreu on second base but he did not know the rule so he put Liam Hendricks on second base and Liam Hendricks actually did a fine job there were moments where he did kind of look like a chicken with his head cut off, but it, it it's just, I don't know. It would, it was just funny to see. And, and the announce, I they saw a clip of it. The announcers are even talking about it. I was like, does Larusa not know that this is the rule? Like it just, it was, 
no one in the clubhouse told him? His bench coach didn't tell him? Like, I'm so confused by this. Base running isn't that hard. Tell him, Wash. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, oh, did you want me to finish up? Yeah. Oh, it's incredibly hard. Thank you. All right, felt the audition. Anyways, yeah, holy crap, man. It, the, it's weird. <laughs> Look, man, I, I, I don't – We, knew, I don't, this, we I knew this was inevitable with him, unfortunately. Yes. I didn't know that rule, so so I'm not judging it in that way. But I'm no, also well, not a major league manager. So, and yeah. my job is to know the rules and to take advantage of them and base the strategy of my baseball team around the rules of the game. So if I if this were my job, one would assume that I would know the rules. I think this okay, and that too. I think that this is a bigger issue. What was we've already talked a lot about this producer thing in the past. We've we've now like, dude, this guy's one of the best managers ever. The best manager in Oakland A's history. We love everything he's done for this team. We love everything he's done with ARF and the East Bay when it comes to um, uh, animal, like animal sheltering. Amazing stuff that he's done. This says something about his leadership to me. Mm-hmm. In any workplace where your leadership, either if you've been in a leadership position, I've been in leadership positions in, in multiple places I've worked in the past. Um, I'm sure you've probably have in one in some places as well. A very first great thing about a good leader is like you're open to feedback. You're open to listen to any opinion, whatever it was, to for better or for worse. Hey, you know, throw it against the wall, see if it sticks, kind of thing. What was going on in that dugout where none of his bench coaches told him, none or none of the coaches in general, none of the players in general said anything. What was going on that it could have been something of a timing where it's too late, but what was going on where nobody spoke up and said something? That's the thing that's more concerning to me. Mm-hmm. And what's weird is the White Sox are still like pretty good. I think they're in first. I have to check real quick. Um, I know they do have like they they were in first. They're, I think they're like 15 and 13 or something yeah, like that. Yeah, they're in first so six, 16 and 13. Yeah. But the thing is, like, that was expected. This team's hella good. Uh, oh, wow. Uh, Cleveland's ahead of them by half a game. I did not expect that. But, uh, yeah, this team's hella good. Of course they were going to be good. They don't. You can throw anybody in there being a manager, and they'll at least be decent. Yeah. So, like, to me, it's just more concerning that this guy may be surrounding himself with yes-men who, when the time does come where you're going to have to be progressive and you're going to have to be a little more innovative in a situation um, that you've may have, you know, that he may have not have seen in the last 10 years because he hasn't been a manager. He's not going to listen. So like, and I, I don't know many White Sox fans, but just from going on, you know, Reddit forums and stuff, White Sox fans are pissed. Cause they're like, yeah. we know this move was just to kind of, um, to help out, well, what was the owner's name again? The he was the Bulls owner's too. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf. Yeah, Jerry Reinsdorf. He's just pretty much trying to right his wrongs he did for firing him forty or like 35, 40 years ago. Yeah, and it's just like he's showing like he, there is probably some parts he still does great, but the things he does bad are terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, it, I'll, I'll. I'll Devil's advocate, he plays in the American League, so maybe he doesn't necessarily know those rules. But again, your job is to know the rules of baseball. Like, I don't, and and use them to your advantage in order to win. So, like, 
there's just no excuse for this. It's just fucking stupidity and and laziness. And if you don't want to learn the rules, that's great. Make the people below you learn them. So when yeah. things like this do happen, yeah. they can step up and tell you. That's what a good leader does. Like, yo, like, I don't have time, unfortunately, to kind of learn these little nuances of it. But you got to do it. We've all have you watched Ted Lasso yet? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nate the Great. What made Nate the Great yeah. so good? He saw the little things. Yeah. He saw the little things, and he was and Ted was open to the feedback. Man, yeah. Ted Lasso was like, "Yo, Nate, uh, what place should we run here? You know more than I do because you know this team." Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, Ted, maybe I think Tony Larusa needs to watch Ted Lasso, and he'll figure some shit out there. It, I mean, you you nailed it on the head with like the the you know the coaches underneath him. Like when when he said like, "Okay, Liam, you have to go to second. You have to be our base runner." No one like looked around and like was like, "Wait, this isn't right." Like no one thought that. No one thought that. Like, ah, uh, I don't. I'm mean, and there's. So how many games are we into the season? We're almost thirty games in the season. So there's ninety games of evidence of this to where, like, no one was like, no one heard of a case like in the past ninety games um with this rule about like oh it, that's weird because i don't remember uh a pitcher spot last year having to be a runner on second i don't know it's just fucking stupid we can move on it's just you know it's a, we, <sighs> you have to have our annual boomer sh- shit on boomer session and that was it today yeah um, he yeah long story short this guy just needs to have people comfortable enough around him to be like yo you're wrong or just intelligent enough you clearly like maybe he just has like incompetent people all right let's go on to a's news um we're gonna talk about most of the a's um stuff like the ups and downs recently and um after the break but um a few minor details um jesus Lazardo broke his pinky he is on the 10 day injured list um he was playing video games um no one really knows exactly what happened he didn't really want to get into it kind of avoided it he didn't even say what game he was playing but it sounds like he's nailed his hand on his desk while he was playing games he's an avid video gamer everybody knows that um he was in the uh mlb the show tournament um back during quarantine um i just am gonna assume that he was playing call of duty got pissed off and he just like fucking hit his hand on on the desk i don't know but i mean pitcher you should probably be more conscious of that yeah i mean like you don't get pissed when like tom nook doesn't give you more bells in animal crossing you know like yeah. that's yeah, yeah he was definitely playing yeah. but i will say as somebody who's already put 40 hours into the show this year i get that frustration but you gotta be better than that and and i think that's something we got to give him credit for yeah is um he did give a post-game conf or he did like a pre-game conference yesterday a couple days ago where he's like look i i i i will own this mistake i was i was really irresponsible um, you know, I, I kind of got my emotions at the best. I don't think he said emotions at the best out of me, but he's pretty much aware. He's like, this was really stupid of me. Yeah. And he seemed pretty pissed. He seemed pretty pissed. And he, he, he sounded really disappointed mm-hmm. and you have to keep in mind, look at the end of the day, this guy's, and we talked about this on our Twitter account. The guy's 23. Yeah. When you're in your early twenties, you do dumb shit. Um, especially more so for guys than anything. You just find your way to do dumb shit. Yeah. Um, whether that's going to be, you know, getting too drunk and doing something stupid, like I don't know, jumping off a roof or something. I don't know. I can't think of anything like that. I I, I shared mine where I climbed. I uh, when I was about twenty two, I really wanted to see the sunset. Uh, my buddy Drew has a, had a house on the American River, and I really wanted to drunkenly watch the sunset on the roof. So I climbed the side of his house, which could have been very stupid. I probably could 
would not be walking to this day if I had I fallen. But I did it because I was young and I was intoxicated and I didn't give a shit. Um, yeah, exactly. So we, we all do stupid stuff. So um, he sounds like he's aware of the issue. I'm sure that I think the great thing about this team right now is we have a lot of veterans who are going to kind of walk him through this and talk through to him through this process. Mm-hmm. And um, I think he's going to come back stronger. The guy is way too talented. We have to be aware, too. He really hasn't had a full major league season. So if you think about it in terms of the starts he's had last season and the short season and then as well as appearance at the end of 2019, he hasn't been had a full MLB season. And we already have such high expectations on him. And sometimes you just got to let the kids be kids. You know what I mean? I mean, this is just a broken pinky. Like, like we're talking about this a little bit. Like it's a like it's Tommy John. It's not like he'll come no, back, it's he'll not be fine. I think just a, there's some people raising maturity issues, and um, yeah, they he's 23. He should be immature. Like nobody likes you when you're 23. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Blink when and, had it. Yeah, um, and 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 I, there are some people who are like, for me, I'll be honest. I I was curious about what game was it. Yeah, not there, because there, there it's was like, jokes going around on Twitter, like people trying to guess what game it was, and uh, yeah. I forgot who it was. I think it was Alex Espinoza of NBC Sports um, and Ricky Henderson blogs was saying like uh, he knows that uh, Olsen Chappie and Pinder are big Call of Duty people, so maybe um, he's a Call of Duty guy and plays with them. Um, he's also known as a big the show player and a two K guy, so maybe it was one of those games. Yeah, and um, it, it, it's not more so like, oh, of course you got mad playing that, because that's not what it's about. For me, it was more of like the connection. Yeah. I'm like, okay, what games were you playing? Because, oh, shit, like, that's cool. He also plays blah, 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 or whatever yeah. game. The odds are, though, we're probably not playing the same kind of shit. Yeah. Um, last piece of um, A's news that is not going to be discussed um, in the latter half of the episode. Um, the minor league started, which is really cool. Um, uh, I think, uh, the, um, ports and the, um, rock hounds have had two games. Um, the aviators, um, opened their season yesterday and our number one prospect, Tyler Soderstorm, who we picked in the draft. I forgot what college he went to, uh, two years ago. He did it at high school. Oh, what what am oh, wow, I'm totally blanking. I I don't know. Well, I don't know why I thought that. That's right. AJ Puck was out of college. Every other guy we've gotten since then has been out of high school. Anyway, Tyler Soderstorm out of high school, great prospect. Um catcher/first baseman. We'll see where he goes. Um what he plays. Um he had a double for his first at bat, so that's pretty cool. So, congrats to him. Um yeah. Minor leagues. It's bad. Yeah, I, I think we're, one thing we should probably start doing a little bit better now that we actually have a minor league season going. We didn't have it when we first started the spot. I think it'd be down. I'm down if you're down. A little two minute blurb, like, "Hey, minor league news. Here's somebody you should check out." Hey, look, this person did it. We're gonna lead for Tyler Soderstrom. Like Chris said, he was the first round overall pick, or the first round pick of the A's back in 2019. Yeah. Um. Oh, I no 2020. 2020. Yes. Uh, we're kind of controversial not... when we picked him because he was a catcher, but what people didn't know was that he wasn't like a formed product yet. He played catcher in high school, but he's also really athletic, can play outfield, and can play first base. So he can. We'll see where he plays. Yeah, and um, and that's and like Chris, you already brought it up. You just said it, but um, just because you're drafted at a position doesn't mean you're going to be playing there. Yeah, Bryce Harper. Bryce Harper was drafted as a catcher, and there goes so. Uh, Tree, is it too early to get excited? Yes. Yeah, 
Yes. 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 But it's still pretty cool. Um, no, you actually, that's a good idea because this is our first podcast season where we have minor leagues. So, um, and me and Julio always try to stay up on it. We we read MLB.com's notes, and I I'm a big ath- um, follower of Keith Law, and Keith Law is really big on the minor leagues. Um, Melissa um, Lockhart is a big minor league uh, person who covers the league and the, the minors in general. So yeah, maybe we'll, we'll give some updates. Um, and we, me and Julio have been talking about for a while going to Vegas to go to uh, an Aviators game. So we'll do a live podcast from there one one day. Also rent to uh, Rancho Cucamonga, only about forty sure. minutes away from us. Go catch a game over there, or Lancaster as well. Um, oh. all right, so we are going to take our break now, and we'll come back and do a review of the first month of the team and see how we feel about it. Um, so stick around, and we will be right. All right, welcome back um, to the Town Tailgate Podcast. Um, so uh, this will be a shorter segment this week, but um, because nothing too much has happened, the A's have more or less been dancing around 500 the past week. They had some pretty big wins and they had some pretty shitty losses. Like yes, the one I opened the podcast with, um, Lutrevino's loss yesterday, and then today was just. God, I mean, it was just like open the floodgates. It was insane. Um, so we're gonna just do a little uh, first month review, Julio. Um, what are your main team takeaways so far in the first month of the season? Wow. Uh, my biggest takeaway, and it's been something that I've been harping on for uh, a while now is the bottom of, like something's got to be done about that bottom of the lineup um and it's at the point where it's like i don't know if these guys can turn it around because we've kind of seen the performance out of the we've seen what kemp can do we've seen what garcia don't even and, get me started on kemp that yeah. fucking throw he made today warned me to we've seen what they can do throw something at my wall and it's getting to the point now where their faults like the one through one through five, solid, mm-hmm. solid as shit. I think you know, Canna has been excellent in the leadoff hole for most of the season. Um, Ramon hitting two, and then you're going, Jed, the Mats, Murph, fantastic. And then like Piscotti and the six or seven hole, great. It's just like the bottom of the lineup where your nine hole hitter is more or less your second leadoff hitter, and Elvis Andrews hasn't lived up to that. And I think that's something they if they really want to be great contenders. They got to fill that spot up. All that being said, uh, they've looked awesome. They've looked really good. Started really slow, incredibly historically slow. Um, but I think overall, you can't really be mad at where this team's at right now. You know, um, the the rotation's been consistent for most of the part. Um, Shamanaya has been excellent in the first month. Passit's starting to turn things around. Um, Frankie's is hit or miss. We'll see. Uh, and then the bullpen, the the main guys in the bullpen have been elite for most of the year. With outside of Trevino's, you know, blow up yesterday. Petit had been, a rough outing today, but yeah. Wait, did Petit get in yesterday? Today? Yeah, he did. Okay, uh, but yeah, but he, besides he, that, he was the one who earned the three runs on the on the the like hanging um, slider that that uh, that Sergio hit. 
or Sergio throw through and then um like scored like three runs. I think he earned all those runs because he put those guys on. But yeah, they're they're I think it they're really playing their identity, which is defense. Defense has been excellent. Bombs. They're currently or at least the America yeah. League and home runs. And then bullpen. The bullpen's been pretty their main bullpen guy's been pretty great. There's always some place that we can improve. Um I've really liked what Martin Gallego said when he was launched a couple weeks ago with dudes like Romo and Caleric. They're veterans. Just give them their time. They'll figure it out. Especially after Romo starts today, so many people are calling for his head. You've got to give him a little bit more of a leash, man. Like, this is some guy who's been to been in really big moments. He's closed out a World Series. Give him his leash. But overall, as a, the team, um, you got to be happy where they're at right now. Especially, historically, they've been slow starters in April. Well, and and they've had some injuries in the bullpen. Like that's kind of also a a, a big issue. When Delkin and um, I'm totally blanking on the other guy the past week. Um, and then also, you know, Trevor Rosenthal wasn't there. Yeah, yeah. Now having uh, Trevor Rosenthal's help hasn't helped. Yeah, and they definitely were like relying on him to be, uh, uh to be the closer and shit like that. So they kind of had to pivot a little bit, and they've kind of made it work so far, except for yesterday. Um, but you know, um, it is what it is. It might just be a small hiccup for Trevino. We'll see. Um, yeah, I mean, I, 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 I agree for the most part. Um, it, it, you know, when we were talking about the Dodgers earlier in this episode, it, it definitely made me kind of like, um, realize what you were saying about how important depth is, especially on a championship team. And that's something that we need desperately. Like the, like I was, like I said in response to what you're talking about, Kemp earlier. Like that throw that he made today. Like if that goes into the dugout, like that's an additional run. So that's a four, that's a four run um, at bat right there. That doesn't need to be that because he just made a really shit throw. Like it's just like he makes mistakes like that on top of him not hitting. That just drive me fucking insane. And the reason why he's playing so much is because Chad Pinder is hurt. But, like, we can't just rely on one guy for depth in the infield. Like, the, it's just – that's something 1,000% that they need to address at the trade deadline. They need to get more depth in the infield because this is brutal. And and guys need rest. And that's probably a big reason why the guys are getting hurt because they're playing so much because they, Bob Melvin doesn't trust any of the – the depth in there and, and seven through nine. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, Elvis Andrews needs really needs to start hitting better. Um, his defense and his leadership is important, but like, that's something that's really frustrating. Um, I, you know, I can go down the list all fucking day. You know, we're seeing a turnaround from Mitch Moreland, which is great. Um, but the top of the lineup more or less has been reliable, but this is something I want to bring up to you recently. Um, the top of the lineup has been struggling. Matt Olson, for example, is hitting 222 in his last seven games. Um, he only has six hits, one home run, and eight strikeouts. So basically, ever since he got knocked in the face, um, he's had some that's what, with hitting. Yeah, that's what happens when you get hit now with the baseball. Sometimes you're you, you lose some stamina there, man. Yeah, <laughs> but before that, you know, Jed was struggling. He had like a three game like run where he was kind of struggling a little bit. Um, he's definitely picked that up this past week. So he's he. He's kind of back to Mr. Consistent. Um, but Ramon, you know, he had his classic Ramon um, uh, slump, and then he's back on fire again. So Ramon was another guy who I wanted to bring up some stats. He's hitting 400 in the last seven games. 400, dude. It's Yeah, it's I, I was looking at these splits. It's wild. Um, four home runs, 
10 hits, uh, six runs brought in. I mean, the guy has just been killing it. Um, and then um, to go back downward again, uh, Marcana has not been hitting very well lately. So he's been getting on base. He's been walking, but he's hitting 220 average. So the that's baseball, man. The inconsistency is a little is kind of driving me a little bit nuts. Um, I, I I really think that it's just like we're we're just we're in a bad division. I think we're just kind of benefiting from that, to be honest with you. Yeah. If we were in the central, yeah. I don't know if we'd have the same record. I don't, well, let's see. Who okay? What division? Like the only, I think the only team we've seen in it from our division so far in this season has been Houston. We haven't even. That's the thing too. We've seen we've this sched this first month schedule's been pretty ridiculous. There's been the we've seen the Rays, we've seen the Dodgers, we've seen the Astros That's twice. Good point, actually, um, the Arizona's looking like a pretty legit team. We had Toronto. We've had uh, Baltimore is looking better than I think a lot of people expected. It's been a pretty tough schedule. So like we haven't got to to play Texas yet, who have been pretty terrible. Um, I guess maybe I'm comparing them just to the, to the records and stuff like that amongst the division. Which and like, nice. say what you, you know, say what you want about the angels. They've definitely floundered off, but like that offense is still pretty lethal. Yeah. Um, Seattle's playing a lot better than everybody is expecting them to. They're still in contention at this point in the season. Um, even though well, they're probably going to fall off at some point. I think that's just baseball. The A's have never really been, a, at least in this last 10 years, have never been a consistently high hitting average team. And yeah. it's just kind of falling along with the pattern of what we've seen before, uh, which, well, you know, we'll we'll see. I think if somebody really breaks out and really takes over, that'll really be the difference maker in all this. If somebody can really hit, like, oh shit, this person's in three fifty on three thirty, that's great. That's really it's going to push us over. But let's see what that takes. I. I just realized that I did an overview and I didn't talk about my takeaways, but uh, I just wanted to do a very <laughs> elongated overview. My takeaways are Matt Olson has MVP potential, which we saw. Um, uh, Shamanai and Cole Irvin are studs, um, and they're kind of holding the rotation together right now. Um, Bassett's starting to come along a little bit, but the rest of the guys have more or less struggled. Um, and um, we need more depth. That's that's the takeaways. Infield depth specifically. Outfield depth were actually pretty good. Infield depth. Yeah, especially and after watching. Pinder is so important. It just yeah. proved how important Pinder is. Especially after watching the series against the Rays, we're just seeing how many guys they were able to throw out there. It's like, yeah, yeah these aren't everyday guys. These aren't guys who are ever going to be everyday players, but they're going to be pretty damn good at what they do. So yeah. coming off the bench in, in pivotal times. Now, you probably highlighted already. You may have said it already. Uh, first month MVP. Who do you got? It's definitely Matt Olson. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. Uh, had Ramon not had his slump, it'd probably be Ramon. But it's um, it's it's Matt Olson. The guy yeah, is I, the guy is an MVP candidate now, uh, and he probably will be all season. Yeah, I I can't argue with that. That's my that was who I was going to say too. Or Manaya, um, or Manaya. And I don't know if you saw this on Twitter when I posted on our show. To, I can't was. He's probably top three first baseman, if not the first best first baseman in the American League right now. There's not many people you can confidently put above him right now in terms of both sides of the ball who are just as important on offense no, yeah. as they're on defense. I think, I think that's important 1,000%. Both sides of the ball, absolutely. You can't just say, like, offensively and defensively. No. Um, yeah. Hmm. 
Yankees, oh. Luke Voigt, no. No. Jose Abreu, no. Uh, he's not a great, like, great hitter, fantastic hitter, but um, not a great yeah. defensive first Dude, baseman. I don't, I can't think of any anyone else um, in the entire league. Um, Freddie Freeman, 100% is better. Um, would you put Goldschmidt over Olsen? I don't think I would. Uh, I would. You would? I, I, I would just. I don't think I would. For the, um, you know, the reputation of him. Yeah. But I, I thought I saw, I, I remember posting a Brandon tweet. Brandon Belt, psych. Um. I remember posting a tweet about, like, who is a better first baseman right now than, oh, at least in the American League, than Ollie. And it, I really can't think of anybody. Maybe I'm trying, to, it, I'm trying to think of people who are like kind of on a similar level. Jose Abreu is around there, and like Vlad Guerrero Jr. is around there. Yeah, those are probably like Vlad Guerrero Jr. We'll see for like the sustainability, but like it, he's insane this first month. Yeah, who's Jared Walsh? Person? Yeah, that's a good one. All right, we can talk all day about this. Um, yeah. Well, we'll yeah, think about it, but, but he's up there. I think he should be the starting first baseman for the American League. It's probably going to be Vladdy because it's the name, but he should be the starting first baseman. Yeah. Who has been your biggest surprise this season? Cole Irvin. Cole Irvin, your boy. Your boy, Cole Irvin, baby! It's, it's not even a question. Like, that guy, I, I tweeted about this um, yesterday after, or not yesterday, two days ago after his start. Like, uh, kudos to to Billy Bean and David Forrest. They dro- they've been driving us crazy for 10 years. Um but kudos to them because they constantly, constantly find these hidden gems around the league that it's just like, literally, it's what they say in Moneyball, an island of misfit toys. Other teams don't see, don't value them, and we find the value and we bring them in. We work specifically on the things that they do well. And one thing that Cole Irvin needed help with was his mechanics. He talked about this in the uh, post game um, to after a start two days ago, and. Sean Murphy is like a robot, apparently. I know you know someone who's friends with him, and he said that that's who he like. Baseball is his life. He doesn't really have many hobbies. He doesn't really have, you know, much going on outside. Like he focuses really hard on that, and he really wants to be good at that. And like that, he's just determined, almost like that Jordan mentality. Um, and he knows pitching really well. Um, and he noticed some things in camp about Cole Irvin's mechanics. For example. Um, him, his inside, his pitching inside the zone. Um, he noticed that he was a lot more accurate when he would pitch on a certain side of the rubber. So he kind of like focused on pitching a certain side of the rubber and also, um, hiding his shoulder a little bit, um, so that he could fool the hitter, um, and hide the ball like just for like a half a second longer. So he bends his shoulder in a little bit when he, when he's, um, when he's pitching from the stretch. And it's just like, dude, like that just one shows how valuable Sean Murphy is and with everything that he does, but um, how they were able to find that he had these little minute issues with his mechanics, and if they were able to fix them, he could be a successful pitcher, and it's working. Absolutely. And there were some, when the trade first went down, I think like in December, we did talk about it when we were doing the bi-weekly pods, and um, it, his minor league numbers looked like it. Uh, Philly's had a problem over the last five, six years when it comes to, like, developing pitchers who aren't Aaron Nola, where it's – Philly's a, a, a hitter's-friendly park. So the times he did get up there, it really didn't go too well. 
And that's all that honestly, that's all it takes. We've this has happened to us the last few years with dudes like Max Muncy left and really were able to flourish and people are helping find their mechanics. So who knows? Maybe this is us just finally catch their break. And yeah. I think we're both in the same boat where the more lefties, the better. Why not just keep stacking lefties? So if you can bring in three lefties in your rotation, that's awesome. Uh, but for me, man, I'm. you were on board with this for a while. You have a hot take in spring training, and I was going to see where we're at. But I'm glad you're right. I'm going with my dude. Just eats doubles, Jed Lowry. Jed has... Greatest second baseman in A's history. Don't at me. We've talked about this before. We'll talk later. Um, yeah, he's just been fantastic, man. He's been everything we've kind of... He's been more than what we expected. For somebody who hasn't played in two years, for somebody who, um, you know, is 37 years old, his career is definitely way past where it's given. But he's still hitting. He's still hitting the crap out of ball. He's still the devil's machine he has been. He's playing consistent defense at second. He's not really elite doing. Defender. Yeah, he's, he's not doing. Defense. Yeah, he's not doing anything like jaw dropping. I think there's not many second basemen who can be a jaw dropping second baseman anymore defensively. But he's, but like he's Mister Consistency. Yeah, on he's both consistent. Sides of the ball. Absolutely, and like yeah, he hits a stride. But guess what? The guy will still hit you two seventy. He's still driving some RBIs. He's been able to hit in the two hole. He's been able to hit in the six hole, the seven hole. Um, and I think he's somebody that this. While we are missing the offensive capabilities of Marcus and and Elvis obviously hasn't filled it in for that void at shortstop, Jed has helped alleviate that. We haven't had this productivity uh, these last few years in 2019 and 2020 at second base ever since he left. So having him back there, really huge game changer. Um, and it just makes you wonder, like, God, if they just could have made a deal for Marcus who... Um, he he ended up having a pretty decent series at the end of it all. Uh, I know Bassett got him a few times yesterday, um, and if, it makes you think what we could have wondered if, if if Marcus could have been the sign up with Jed hitting like this. Had they paid him and not Rosenthal? <sighs> either way, it was going to be deferred contract, which is not what they were. Gonna yeah, do. either way, but um, Jed's been awesome. I love it. I'm glad he's back. He's been a fan favorite for ever, really. So I'm glad he's really picking up where he's how he's been hitting and yeah and like i let me ask you this question would you rather have jed prime jed or um tommy, tommy listella again oh prime jed easily yeah yeah same same i the thing, i think if you would if you would have asked me even at the end of last year i still would probably said prime jed like no he uh, just like he just he just matters he just means so much to to this generation of Oakland A's and Oakland A's fans, you know, like Tommy's never that he's done. Tommy never is going to be an all-star. Like he was awesome for us last year. And I've yeah. been like, I've been a fan of his when he was with the angel all those years, but he was, he's never going to be that guy. And Jed, you know, Jed can hit for power when he needs to. Um, he's so great at just his placement when he's hitting as well. Fantastic. And the main thing is he's reliable. You can trust him. You can trust him on defense. He's always going to be a gold glove finalist, more or less. Um, he, you can trust him on offense. He's always going to get the big hits when you need him. He's always going to get hits um, to like kind of start off a, a run. He's always going to hit around like high two two nineties or two eighties, two nineties. Um, he's never going to really slump. He just it, you know he's just Mister Consistency, and it's great. Um, yeah. Do you have any other any any other points you want to make on no. the review? I'm just glad he's there. But I think the last thing we got to talk about is uh, well, this was originally like the biggest disappointment 
but I've changed the title to Get It Together, You're Gonna Get Pujols. So I'll go ahead and leave this off, and I think we're probably gonna be in the same boat. It's Elvis Andrews. Um, now we know he he didn't have a great year last year. We know he's had to adjust to the new environment, and he's not in Texas anymore. Uh, we just didn't expect him to be this bad. And it's if we're gonna be legitimate contenders, and I really do think this this team with this top of the road, this top of the lineup. This pen and this consistency across the built the starters, albeit I think we do need like one more dog for the starters. Um, there, I think they're they could be there for the American League, but it's like we can't if this guy's gonna be playing the way he has been playing. I, yeah, the, he's the only one. There's no other. There's no other candidate for this award for this award conversation. Whatever you want to do it. Like we can and, say what and, we want about. Um, about Tony Kemp, but the thing is, he doesn't play enough. He does, He's not yeah. an everyday guy. Uh, Elvis has played in 30 games this year, and he's hitting uh, one 149. Like that's not acceptable, man. You gotta, yeah. You gotta pick. And like, and look, if you were traded from Texas and then you went to Milwaukee or you went to like Florida or Miami, I get that. New, new, completely new area. You've probably been played there a handful of times in your life. You've been playing in Oakland. You've played in Oakland dozens and dozens of times. You know how things work out there. Dozens and him, of times a year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just him not adjusting at this point. It's 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 very concerning because mm-hmm. we've you talked about it. We've talked about this a lot. Um, we need that middle infield depth, and he's not looking like the guy right now. It's funny. So after this trade, if you would have asked me, which is your bigger concern, the second base situation, or 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 the shortstop situation, I would have told you like that's the stupid question. It's second base because we don't have a second baseman yet. Like we don't know who it's going to be. Um, we'd sign Jed to the minor league deal, but we don't know if he if it's going to work out or not. Um, Elvis Andrews has always been consistently above average for Texas, so it's going to be that. And it's just like. It's just such a dramatic flip of roles because, like, literally for like the last, you know, since 2015 when when Marcus came, we knew Marcus was the shortstop. There was, we knew, you know, we consistent confidence there. And the second baseman situation has been a revolving door, trying to testing out these different guys, and we don't know what's happening. And now it's like the other way around. Uh, yeah, it's just, yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, if they want to contend, they're gonna have to make a deal at the deadline if he doesn't turn around. Yeah, because people are gonna, you know, people are gonna rag on Romo. Well, guess what? You don't have to play him. Unfortunately, yeah. you have to play Elvis Andrews every day. We don't have any other better options at short at the moment. Who? I'm trying to look at like who, teams that are in last place that would make a trade. I mean, Trevor Story is out there. We'll get there when we get there because I have other pipe dreams when it comes. Okay. To, we'll get. We'll we'll do our our pipe dream. Fair enough. Fair enough, fair enough, yeah. fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, I think over, I think overall, um, this team looks really good. Yeah. Like yeah, the faults I'm, that they're at. I'm they're confident. Not... As as much as this team is an emotional roller coaster for me and how up and down I am, that's just be, that's my personality more than it is to the team. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, cool, man. Um, so let's uh let's move on. Let's do um let's the finishing uh I don't I'm finishing sorry. touches. The icing on the cake of every episode. We're gonna talk about our player of the week. Yeah. No, I was looking for the phrase that, like something about like cleaning up. Like let's sweep let's sweep up the the end of the rug. I don't know. It doesn't matter. All right. Yeah. 
Uh, the upcoming schedule. Um, this weekend, uh, we are heading to. Uh, no, we're Lord in Campus Tampa. Coming to we're us. in Tampa. That's right. We have, yeah. a home, we have a home stand. Tampa's coming our way, so another interesting series. And then we go to Boston. Big series. Two first place teams in the American League go head to head. Cannot wait for that one. Um, that is Tuesday through Thursday of next week. Um, so big, two big series in a row where we really have to prove ourselves. We have to at least split both of them. Um, well, we can't split the Tampa one because it's a three-game series, but you get what I'm saying. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. This is really – this is probably – We. it seems like – this first off, this month's this first month and a half schedule has been insane. These first yeah. two months are insane. If you look at the rest of May, the A's schedule is just not fun at all, um, and which is kind of – look, obviously – Pick and choose your battles. But like the A's first month schedule was also not great. So it's just like, and then now you're just going to go. I'm, as you can see, I'm like deliberating or like uh, procrastinating here. Here's the A's yeah, rest of the schedule. Sox, at the Red Sox, it's the Twins, and then it's the Astros, and it's the Angels, and then it's the Mariners. And the Mariners are a good team this year. And the Angels again. Place. So like, yeah. Where can we catch the break, man? <laughs> In June, it calms down a little bit. The Royals, who are actually no, who are a good, good. Team. Yeah. Rockies, <laughs> uh, Rockies, Yankees, Giants. Ooh. Yeah, it doesn't I really see two series. Until, we... It doesn't lighten up until after the All Star break, and then it gets a little bit easier, except for like the Padres. But, I yeah. see two series we should easily sweep with the Rockies and the Rangers, the but yeah, or oh, or the no, Rangers, the Diamondbacks yeah. have the Diamondbacks actually been pretty decent lately. Um, yeah. yeah, fun times. And, and you know what? This is what you want. You want to be the best. You got to be the best. So, yeah. Uh, all right. Who's your player of the week? You know what? We already talked about. It. I'm gonna give it to my dude, my fantasy baseball pickup, Mister Swervin Irvin Cole Irvin. Uh, he pitched an eight game or eight inning, a one run ball against the Toronto Blue Jays. The only run came from our good friend Marcus Simeon. Uh, he's and over this last few games as well, he's really been on a tear. Um, during his uh, he, when he pitched against Tampa, he went six innings. He gave up two runs. He did get the loss, but besides the point, um, against Baltimore, he went five point one innings. He gave up one run, and he's looked like he's really clicking. And I think that's something. It's weird. We talked about this all season long so far. It's those middle rotation back of rotation guys who have been really clicking. It's more so the top two guys. Bassett's starting to click again. Um, and then Jose That's Sazon. good. That's a good problem you want to have because yeah. the latter, you, you, it's unsolvable. Where, But this that situation, you know, all the talent's at the front, so they're going to figure it out. Eventually. Yeah, man. Keep it going. So Cole Irvin, Swerving Irvin, keep it up, man. We love it. Nice. Who you got? Um, mine is uh, Laser Ramon, as I said earlier in this podcast, <laughs> batting 400 in his last seven games um four home runs and 10 hits six um um runs batted home he is on another classic tear i just hope that it the um hot streak goes for a little bit longer this time um before he does his eventual slump because we know how he is he's up and down he's up and down but he's doing it on both sides like of the ball, wave, those man. catches he made yesterday in the outfield how much ground or Yesterday and the day before that, how much ground this dude covers out in center field is fucking apeshit. Like he's just so fast and so, and he just he he just reads the ball so well off the bat. Um, it's amazing. Him him and Canna 
are just like they just they're they just they're so good defensively and they just cover so much ground like how yeah it's great he's a he's my player of the week so uh keep it up uh ramon all right the ett central tailgate tool of the week who's yours oh we we gotta talk about last week's yeah yeah, yeah. uh you fucked up julio no i didn't your last week was oh oh that oh in that sense yeah all I wrote was Jesus Cesario. What do you Cesario. think I was talking about? What I thought I, no, I, my bad. I thought you meant like the order of the. Oh no, I just mean you fucked up on your pick. Like you picked Jesus yeah. Cesario, but you didn't know that he was going to break his finger. Yeah, I thought he was going to have his bounce bounce against Baltimore, but then Baltimore is actually like a decent team. Yeah. yeah. So that's all I'm going to say. But hey, you know what, man? Let's unleash him. Uh, Chris, you look good though. You went with Murph. Yeah. He went five for twenty, hit two fifty, home run, three RBIs. Uh, he got on base. He had three walks, got hit two times. The strikeouts are a little bit high, but you know what? That's just Oakland A's baseball. If you're not striking out, you're not you're not doing well. But I want to give my suspe- myself extra kudos for what he's done behind the plate with the pitchers. Absolutely. And the success that he's helped create with Cole Irvin and stuff like that. So I would say that's a good pick. Um, but the reason why I picked him was because I was worried that Matt Olson would be out for a little bit and he would have to take over that four hole, which he actually had a couple good games in that four hole that he played pretty well. But um uh yeah you know it is what it is yeah um cool who's your who's yours this week we're going to boston we're gonna see the monster and i'm expecting some righties to really hit some bad boys off of the monster so i'm gonna go steven piscotti is my tailgate tool of the week Interesting. Uh, he's been kind of uh I wouldn't say the most consistent guy in the world because like there's no such thing as consistency in this lineup. Um, but he's been kind of a bright spot. He's actually set the record. We didn't really talk about this. We should really highlight this, highlight this while we can. He actually set the Oakland A's record for the most consecutive games played in the outfield without an error. So consistency on defensive end really goes to the motto of the team. He plays uh, right field, but yeah. Yeah, but... T- t- yeah, yeah it, Major League Baseball, you guys guys can hit all over the field. That's good. Yeah, point. exactly. Um, and of course, we all remember uh, one of the kind of one of the highlights of the last few years is when he first came back from um, leave when his mother had passed away. Uh, he had a home run in his very first at bat in Boston. So I think mm-hmm. there's he's going to be some feelings there. I think he's he is should be one of the most consistent in terms of like what you expect out of them, guys. And that's my guy this week. Piscotti. Nice. Show us that new dad strength. Uh, mine is going to be uh, Ramon Loriano, my player of the week, because with the weird little slump that uh, that uh, Olsen's got going because of his black eye um, and um, the uh, inconsistency um, batting-wise of uh, hitting-wise, contact hitting wise of Mark Hanna, not walking, but yeah. Um, we really need to ride Ramon to keep putting runs on the board. Like he's been doing the past couple games. Um, so he's just like, especially with the rest of the lineup, the, the bottom half lineup, not hitting so well. So we're getting hits from all different places. Of the lineup typically with two strikes or two outs. Um, so it's, you know, he's got to keep hitting the ball at the park and he's got to keep, bringing in runs even when we only have one guy on like it's just he's gotta he's gotta keep doing it he's just gotta keep doing it we need a lot of weight on his shoulders this coming week especially with these big teams in town so 
That's my you, guy. You're you're double dipping, man. He was your player of the week and he's your essential tool. Classic double dip. Classic. All right. Well, I think that's all we have this week, right, Chris? Yeah, that's it. That's gonna that's gonna finish it up. We'll be back next week. Regular scheduled time. Um, hopefully. We'll see. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh we uh we I got vaccinated this week and and uh so that that delayed us a day, but Coming soon to a ballpark near you, Julio and Chris. Probably oh. not in Oakland anytime soon because we live down here, but we'll definitely be at the Angels A-Series. And maybe Rancho Cucamonga, it sounds like. We were talking about going to a game during the break. So, uh, oh, yeah. That'll be, that'll be interesting. Uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode. Um, thanks for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to all of our stuff. Um, and, again, if you want to see our faces, you can go see them on YouTube. Um, they're pretty good looking. Just saying. <clears throat> Katie Wu, my future wife. Just kidding. Um, (laughs) um, And uh, yeah, subscribe to and uh, follow us on Twitter. Uh, We like to get like, uh, especially lately, we've been really um, interacting with A's fans and it's been like fun, like conversing with them and keeping that conversation going. So we want to do that with with all of you. Um, Last but not least, Julio. Let's go, Oakland. Town Tailgate is an independently produced podcast. It is written and executive produced by this guy, Chris Madrigal, <laughs> and my partner in crime, Julio Reynoso. It is sound mixed and edited by yours truly. Social media management and marketing is run by, once again, my partner, Julio Reynoso. And a special thanks and shout out to my brother, Larry Madrigal, for composing and producing our theme song, as well as graphic designing our album cover and artwork. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. Please tune in next week. Please subscribe. And last but not least, as we always say, let's go Oakland.